This is the Horse Radio Network. Good Tuesday morning. This is Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr from Aurora, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, April 19th, 2022, episode 2852. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? Help you, I can. Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. Today on our show, we're going to focus on marketing with Corinne Latow from Denver Equestrians in Littleton, Colorado, and Kathy Thacker from Girl Scouts Carolina Peaks to Piedmont in North Carolina. And then to start us off today, we're going to have Red Mini Equine come on to chat with us about their business and marketing as well. One. Welcome back, Christy. For those of you new to the show, Christy Landwehr from the Certified Horsemanship Association, say that three times fast, stops by every month and we get to geek out on all things riding lesson, teaching humans, which I think is pretty unique in the podcasting universe. It's kind of fun. And it's fun because, you know, it's for people that um, want to become instructors, for people that currently are, or for students that want to kind of learn how to ride better and for horse owners in general. So it has a little bit for everybody. It has a little bit for everybody. And even if you're ser- someone who does not take riding lessons, this is a great resource because essentially if you don't take riding lessons, that means you're self-taught. And we cover a lot of topics on how people learn um, and really great exercises that people can use. And if you don't have an instructor, you can use them yourself, right? You sure can. And we even have that book, our composite manual of horsemanship, level one through four, which is a self-guided tour of horsemanship. So at the end of every level, there's a written test on not only riding skills, but also care and management of horses, tack, equipment, you know, all those kinds of things. And it works all the way up to level four, which is flying lead changes, lots of lateral work, actually ready to go to, you know, pretty decent size horse shows. So lots of in between. Yes. There you go. So when people want to find all that stuff, where do they go? They go to CHA.horse, so it's actually .horse instead of .com, CHA.horse. There we go, and we're going to dive right in. You found a really interesting resource that folks might not be aware of for an educational opportunity. I did. So for those of you listening that have children that one day are going to become seniors in high school and potentially go to college, and you're thinking, oh my goodness gracious, are there scholarships and where do I find them? There are couple of things that you would want to do. First of all, if you're already part of your breed association, let's say a QHA, American Quarter Horse, or a PHA, American Paint Horse, or others, they have scholarships. And my son was able to apply for one of those, and he'll find out in June. And then the other one that's been really fascinating to us in the equine world that provides scholarships is 4-H. Really? 4-H is amazing. The amount of scholarships available to 4-H participants is amazing. Now, they had to have done 4-H for at least three years, so make sure. They can be a clover bud prior to 8, which means that they can be from 5 to 8 still in 4-H, but from 8 to 18, they can actually show animals. Mm -hmm. They don't have to auction them off, so for those of you that don't have the stomach for doing that, that is not a problem. They can have the rabbits and the chickens and do the horse project and other things that don't require the auction. And my son showed horses and chickens and did cake decorating and leather craft. Those were his four projects. And he just earned a $2,000 scholarship. Really? So is this something that someone can learn the details from their local 4-H club leader? They sure can. You just go to 4-H online and you can find the club near you. And, um, you know, most of the clubs are, of course, run by volunteers. But if you do know your land-grant institution in your state, so for us, it's Colorado State University, the ones that where all the extension agents are, the university for that, they'll also know. But, oh, my goodness, he has applied to so many different scholarships, and the 4-H one was so professional. I mean, it was not the easiest application he filled out, but it was very thoughtful. And then they even interviewed him. He had to get dressed up and go be interviewed. (laughs) 
It well, was great. That's, that's a life skill, being able to get yes. dressed up and do an interview. Yeah, makes sense. Correct. Pretty So cool. I was very impressed with it. And now we have a breakfast in a couple of weeks in the morning where they're going to feed all the scholarship winners and their families and present it as this big banquet thing. So it's kind of a big deal. I was kind of surprised. So I'm sharing it for other people out there that may or may not know about the extensiveness of 4-H. And even if they don't do anything with animals, let's say they're more sewers or they want to do photography. I mean, there's over 500 projects in 4-H and it does not have to be animal-based. And they can still, after three years of competing at their county fair, be eligible for these scholarships. Neat. So there's something for everybody, quite literally. Oh, literally. And what's so cool about it, your club might have scholarships, your county might have scholarships, your state might have scholarships, and there's national 4-H scholarships. Who knew? So there's four level of scholarships. It's it's unbelievable. So yes, so I just wanted to throw that out because I was so excited to find out about it from my own son and wanted to share it with others that have that journey upon them. There you go. And in case you're asking, not a paid advertisement. It is not at all. It is just me sharing to share. Yeah. So anybody in 4-H that's listening will be like, oh, look at her go. That was a nice little plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm literally doing it just because of, um, yeah, the experience that my kiddos have had in it, and it's been very positive. There we go. And this is the part of the show, invariably, we try to catch up on what Christy Landwehr from the CHA has been up to because you're a very busy gal. So what have you been up to since we spoke with you last? Well, you know, all breed, all discipline means that I get to be a part of whomever and whatever, which is actually pretty cool. So I have just become a trustee for the American Horse Council Board of Directors with their at-large position. So I'm excited to start that journey. Um, I'm the treasurer of Interscholastic Equestrian Association, which is IEA, and that's been a fun journey to be a part of. And then something not horse-related at all, I sit on the board for Colorado Society of Association Executives, and that's super fun to learn more. For those of you that are out there as Association of Executives, find out if your local um, state has an ASAE chapter, which is American Society of Association Execs. It's been phenomenal, the stuff I've learned about how to run a 501c3 not-for-profit membership association. So that's kind of cool. And then I am an AQHA professional, and I sit on their council, and an APHA professional, and I sit on Paint Horses Council, too. So yeah, I, I wear lots of volunteer hats, so it's kind of fun. There we go. And you do a lot of traveling about. I don't know how you ta- have time to make breakfast in the morning. <laughs> do you have any co- do you have any cool trips coming up? Yes, in May, um we are going I'm going to go to Kentucky. The American Horse Publications is having their event and you guys have been to that one before. That's Yes, a fun I'm one. pretty sure Glenn's going to that one. Oh, I'm excited. I'll get to see him. And that one is for anyone in journalism, right? So Glenn with podcasting, um, I go because of all the marketing I do. I want to learn more about that side of my job. Um, Anyone who's a freelancer, photographer, writer, um, all the horse magazines are there. All the horse websites are there. Um, anybody that produces video for the equine industry, it's it's a really cool one. So excited to go to that one. And then um, after that is going to be the uh, American Horse Councils, and theirs is located in D.C. So we actually go to Capitol Hill. Now, do they have, does American Horse Council have their meeting every year? Do they always have it in D.C.? They do. They tried to have it in Denver and then COVID hit. And so they're back to D.C. <laughs> it's their fault. It's their fault. They did it. So not sure if we're going to ever be in Denver or not. But they they are certainly trying to not always be in D.C. Because it's certainly a little bit expensive to go there. But it's also so cool to go to the Hill and talk to congressmen about horse-related issues. It's yeah. pretty cool. Well, considering American Horse Council's mission, it yes. makes sense that those that go to the conference and participate want to take advantage of meeting with leaders across from across the nation, and hopefully some of them are there. So for somebody who might not be familiar with what the American Horse Council does, could you mind maybe give me a, a, the 30,000-foot view of what they are and who what they do? Absolutely. So they their primary mission is to legislate on behalf of the equine industry. So if there's anything going on at the federal level, Um, Your state horse council does it at your state level, but at the federal level, let's say on um, 
oh, access to trails, let's say. So then backcountry horsemen also get very involved, right? Let's say it's on uh, transportation of horses and how, uh, what kind of trailers we should use or if um, people that transport horses should have their CDL, their commercial driver's license. Do they need to log their hours? All those kinds of things have come up. Um, things about immigration, because obviously we have a lot in our space, especially at racetracks and big barns that are from other countries that come and work for us on visas. So anything with, you know, H2 visas and things like that. So many different kinds of things that uh, come across that we have to go and uh, be a part of and chat about. There we go. Pretty cool stuff. So we have three guests coming up today, so we're not going to waste too much time chit-chatting about all of your many adventures. Any other ones before we get to Wendy? You know, the only other thing that's kind of exciting, and may I'm going to Tennessee, we have a level up program. So for those that are certified in our English Western instructor certification, we have four levels. You can get level one through four in English and Western with or without jumping. And let's say you got a two, three, and now you've taught for years and you really are feeling the love that you could probably go up a level or two. So instead of having to attend another whole five day certification, which is our current way of doing things, you would only attend a two and a half day one. So we're doing a pilot program in May in Tennessee. We're going to see how it goes. Hopefully it goes well, and then we can start holding those next year. Ah, that, well, that makes sense. It's so hard for horse people to get away from their home base, right? Yes. And if you're, you know, there, you have two different kind of horse people. The horse people who are attached by a garden hose to their home base. It's really hard to get away finding a, a, a sitter. And then you have the, on the other end of the, end of the spectrum, you have the equestrian professional who can't get away because they're constantly on the road. They go from circuit to circuit to circuit. Correct. It's just as hard for them to get away for any period of time. So that's really cool that you've kind of gotten your finger on the pulse and are trying to come up with ways to make it as convenient as possible for people to continue their riding instructor education. Yes, definitely trying. So it's going to be a fun one. So we're going to see how that goes and then be able to hopefully launch it next year for people to host. Dun, dun, dun. And all of that information is also available at CHA.horse, right? It is. If anybody wants to be a host site, it's available to anyone that has school horses of 10 or more um, for our English Western Instructor Program. And then um, if you're a boarding barn, we do an equine facility managers program where we don't even get on the horses. We just, um, you know, learn how to do different things with them like poultice wraps and what have you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, check it out if you're wanting to maybe make some money for your program. We are so excited to have Wendy Lindsay on the show today, who has worked for Redmond for about eight years. She started working with the People Salt Division and transferred to the equine department, and it has been growing very quickly. She loves horses and people, so Redmond Equine is a great place for her to be. Hi, Wendy. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thanks, Christy. So good to have you on the show. Let's go ahead and dive right in to um, what exactly are Redmond Minerals? Well, Redmond minerals are uh, they're natural sea minerals from an ancient seabed. Um, and we've got two different categories of the minerals. We've got the salt minerals, and we've also got the bentonite clay minerals. Um, they're clean. They have nothing stripped um, out of them and nothing added to them. So we like to think of our minerals as the cleanest um, possible salt and minerals that you can find. And where exactly is the Redmond Salt Mine? So the salt mine is located in Redmond, Utah, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere and in the middle of Utah, basically. Um, north of Redmond, you've got Salt Lake and Park City. Those are well-known places. And south of Redmond, you've got St. George and kind of south and over to the east is Moab. Um, so Redmond is a tiny, tiny little town. Um, in the middle of nowhere, and that's where the salt mine is located, that um, is pretty much central Utah. And Wendy, what is so unique about the salt and minerals that comes from that mine? Well, this salt mine um, is actually uh, what I would call a geological phenomenon, actually, because the salt deposit um, originates from the Jurassic period. Um, so it was, you know, an ancient seabed where Utah, Nevada was under, under an ocean. Um, so we've got the minerals back from that ancient sea that deposited 
And normally as, you know, as oceans go, it deposits in a horizontal fashion. But what's unique and phenomenal about this is that through earthquakes, tectonic plates, um, different volcanic eruptions, the salt mineral deposit was basically just smushed together to push it to, uh, closer to the surface. And in a deep, um, they figure it probably goes down 5,000 feet um, yes. deep of pure salt. Uh, so you can imagine the forces that it took to smash a horizontal layer together in a vertical uh, style that we can tunnel down. We've already tunneled down about 18 miles, 800 uh, feet. And, um, and geologists say it's just the tip of the iceberg. That is amazing. Have you yourself had an opportunity to go into the mine? Yes, I go quite often. Um, I organize tours. People stop by, um, you know, there's a, a big horse event arena in uh, Salina, which is a city just close by Redmond. So people from all over the country come to the events there at um, Blackhawk. And I organize events uh, or these tours. And we take people down into the salt mine and um, show them where this salt comes from. Huh. Next time I'm in Utah, I might have to come have a tour. That sounds really cool. Yes, it is amazing. It's uh, We've got 18 miles of tunnel, like I said, and um, in between the layers is 80 feet of pure salt. The walls are pure salt. The ceiling is pure salt. The floor is pure salt. It's truly amazing. So when did Redmond Salt become a company? Redmond Salt became a company. Um, it was uh, about 1958 when it officially became a salt company. And that was um, due to the fact that early settlers by the Bashard family um, settled that region. And, and this was in the 1800s. Um, they were aware of Indians, the local um, Uinta Indians trading salt. Um, they knew that animals congregated there, um, licking the soil. And so for generations, um, the Bashar family knew that there was a salt deposit of some sort there. Um, but it wasn't until 1958, there was a drought and the Bashard family had to turn to something other than farming to bring in money for their families. So they got their pickaxe and they started to mine the salt um, and it was an open pit um, type of mining and they started selling the salt. Um, but after several years of doing this style, um, they had the salt mine um, analyzed by geologists and they said, your, your salt deposit is very deep and it'd be best to tunnel down. So this is that unique, very unique type of salt mine. Normally, salt mines are on the surface. Um, they're not really mines. When people harvest salt, um, they will do it on the surface, you know, retention where they let the water dehydrate or whatever. So that's what makes the Redmond salt very unique because it's actually mined down from the ground. It's very clean. Um, there is no toxic, you know, from the air or pollutants from the ocean. Um, we're just very lucky to have this, this clean salt. That is so awesome. So what do you do with the salt? What are some of the products for horses? These, well, naturally, you know, um, all living things need minerals. Um, and if you look at our people and horses alike, muscle tissue and um, blood, bone structure uh, rely on minerals. And so uh, wild horses, animals used to just congregate in this region because they, their bodies require minerals. We have, um, the big salt rock licks, um, some, you know, we can hang them on stalls. We've got the, um, electrolytes. Um, and we also have another product that is a, um, a bonus is what we call it is the volcanic ash preserve the salt mine and this is the bentonite clay um, and we've also um, discovered that studies have shown the bentonite clay 
is extremely helpful for horses and ulcers and it supplies more minerals also. Um, so we've got these two blessings coming from the same region um, of Utah, the salt and the bentonite clay with many products that, you know, help ulcers, supply the minerals, um, digestive support, uh, just, you know, pretty much it's very simple, very clean, but it attends to the horse's needs. And so what are some of the products you have for people? Because you also do people products, correct? Right. Our people salt is, um, as I said, they, we leave all the minerals intact. And so when you look at the salt, you'll see the speckles of different minerals. Some minerals are not water soluble, um, but your body still utilizes that. Um, we've got, uh, the salt and different grinds, you know, coarse and kosher and powdered. We've got flavored salts, um, for grilling, you know, your, um, seasoned salts. Um, we also have electrolytes for people. And so that's a huge bonus for people to hydrate their muscles, hydrate their bodies. Um, if you deplete your, your system, just as a horse, um, you've got to take those minerals in to fully hydrate yourself. So Wendy, we use in our family both sides. So we use Redmond Rock for our horses and we buy the blocks and put them in their mangers to be able to uh, have access to. And then my husband says that your salt is the absolute best salt around the rim of his tequila when he drinks his tequila on the weekend. So there you go. So we absolutely <laughs> love your salt. And of course, we use it for grilling and things too. Yes. Yes. Well, he's getting the benefit then of having all those wonderful minerals right there with his tequila. <laughs> That's right. So good and the bad, right? Having a tequila, which might not be the best for you in the whole wide world and then having the salt. So there you go. He's balancing out. <laughs> he's balanced it out. Yes. So give us um, some ideas of what some future plans might be for Redmond. For Redmond Equine specifically, we have um, interviewed countless uh, horse riders. We've interviewed trainers, instructors, um, and we've noticed that they put their horse first. Definitely the horse's well-being comes first. And, you know, they take the horses to events and it's very stressful on the horse. But through our talking, our conversation, we've noticed, now, have you been drinking water? Have you been taking care of yourself? And the answer is, no, I don't have time. And so what we want to do with Redmond Equine is to merge the horse and rider nutrition together. We will be bringing um, more of the people products onto the equine website, but also try to educate the rider how important it is to take care of themselves um, to have a better ride. You know, you've, you put your all into the horse's nutrition. If you're depleted in any way, that might affect how you ride or how you enjoy your ride or whatever, you know, that horse and rider connection is real. Um, and so we want to hopefully educate the rider on taking care of themselves as well. Um, we do have new products that we're coming up with all the time. Um, you know, we're seeing a, a great uh, success rate with the um, crushed, crushed minerals with the garlic um, that helps to repel flies and insects. So as we're growing and seeing the needs of horses and the riders, we're hoping to um, merge that together with new products, different products from the people side and, and just hope to round out um, what they need. I love all those future ideas. And it's fun because, you know, Certified Horsemanship Association and Redmond Equine partnered starting last year and you came to our international conference in Fort Worth. And it was wonderful to have you all there. And I know that at that point you did a trainer circle, which you still have going. And many of our instructors joined that. Could you talk a little bit more about that program? Yes, that. And again, we, through conversation with horse riders, horse trainers and instructors, we learned that um, the instructor has, depends on a healthy horse to be able to teach the rider how to ride that horse. If the horse isn't feeling well, is if the horse is stressed out, if the horse is, you know, nervous, they're going to um, not perform at their peak. 
And so they find that if they get the horse to a place where they're easily trained, they're easily um, able to accept, you know, commands from the rider is a better experience for both involved. And especially for the rider, it brings so much joy and satisfaction to the rider to have a horse that is, you know, um, a joy in their lives and easy to ride. So these trainers and instructors dip into their own pockets to buy our daily gold to give to the horse and get the horse to a place of um, an easy, healthy, you know, pain-free stomach. Um, And so our trainer circle provides wholesale pricing. We feel that if we can get the product to the trainer or the instructor and then to the horse, that's half the battle. Um, And so we offer wholesale pricing and free shipping and we've got training videos so that they can further um, their knowledge on how to take care of a horse and how what the horse needs to be at their peak performance. So these training videos are very, very helpful. Um, we offer hands-on support from me. And you know, a lot of times it's they've got questions, they need samples. Um, they contact me and I help them out with all those things. So we put together this program just to help them uh, make their training and instructing easier. I love that. I think it's going to be very beneficial to many people. So Wendy, go ahead and give um, the website so that people can find you. All right. So it's just redmondequine.com. And you can also go to our Facebook, Redmond Equine and Instagram. Um, We've got, uh, you know, you can message us there, message us on Facebook, um, just send us an email. And we're easy to contact and get a hold of. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for the education today. I learned so much more about the salt mining in general. I find it fascinating, the vertical structure and how it was, you know, built since the Jurassic time period. I learned so much and I'm very excited to hopefully one day come and uh, take a tour myself. So thanks for being on the show today. You're welcome. And please let me know when you're in Utah. Whether you are an amateur owner with a horse or two, or you manage a large facility, there is a lot to keep track of. Horse Report System ensures that you always have your horse's health records, training logs, photos, therapy and care notes, demographics, and much more immediately available to you and your staff in the stable. The user-friendly dashboard, color-coded calendars, and easy searchability make it simple to find the information you were looking for and keeps your whole team on the same page. Our web app runs on any device with a web browser, phone, tablet, or computer. We'd love to give you a demo to show you why boarding facilities, equine therapy programs, and professional trainers, as well as individuals, are using Horse Report System to simplify their record keeping and ensure the best possible care for their horses. With monthly subscriptions starting at just $9.99, there is a plan that is right for you. Go to www.horsereportsystem.com to learn more and get a free trial. We are so excited to have Corinne Lateau, who fell in love with horses during a trail ride with her dad on her eighth birthday and has spent her entire life now, since then, studying the art of riding. Since receiving her professional CHA certification in 93, she has enjoyed teaching children and adults of all levels how to understand, ride, and care for horses, while she also continues her education in dressage. Denver Equestrians is a host site for CHA certifications, and all of their instructors are certified by CHA. They also have regular CHA shows so that their riders can advance through our levels. Hi, Corinne. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? Doing great. So excited to have you on the show today. Um, I have been going to Denver Equestrian since it's in my backyard for quite a few years. So this is lovely to have you on. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about where exactly you're located here in Colorado. Well, I call ourselves a city barn. Um, We're in Littleton, which is a suburb of Denver, but we're pretty darn close to Denver, about 20 miles Um, we're surrounded by houses, so we are definitely in a neighborhood. We're landlocked on four acres, but we do, um, share an adjacent four acres with a swimming pool and tennis clubs. So that's kind of fun. 
I think it's great where you guys are located. You know, growing up in Southern California myself, I understand Urban Barn very much. So I feel very yeah. at home when I go to you. Yes. <laughs> so tell us, Corinne, a little bit more about your life journey with horses. How did all this begin? Well, as you said about the trail ride on my eighth birthday, um, I've always been an animal lover of all kinds. Horses struck me particularly as a young girl. And so my dad thought it would be a great idea to take me on a trail ride for my eighth. And he, I don't know if he still thinks that was a good idea or not, because it started my heart on fire for horses. That's for sure. Um, since then, I was from a family that did not have a lot of money. So I had to work really hard to either take the bus to the suburbs to take a 10, <clears throat> excuse me, a 30 minute group lesson for $10. I had to do, you know, babysitting, barn chores, all of those things. And I was more than happy to, and to save my money um, to be able to be around horses and growing up in Southeast Minneapolis. Um, as my journey continued, I started going to horse camps. My first horse camp was in 1976. Um, I found a horse camp in 77 or 78 uh, that did CHA certification for their campers. And it was there that I found pretty much a lot of the other campers. The other campers wanted to do the swimming and all of the other activities. And I just wanted to study the books and ride the horses. That was my only concern for being there. So it's only natural that now that I have a school of my own, which is a surprise, I never saw this coming. But that it would be based on CHA principles, um, that we would all be certified CHA instructors, and that the campers would have a chance to learn, thrive, and grow within the program of safety and fun. And what's so neat about your program is I just love how you do CHA shows, normally a couple a year, and then the um, youth and adults that are ready to advance have to take the written test at the back of each of our level manuals that we were talking about earlier in the show today through our composite manual of horsemanship and then also do the arena tests, which is like a dressage test at each level and then the jumping for those that want their jumping. And then you have those plaques up where the parents' lounge is where the kids and the adults get their names put on the plaque as they achieve each level. And I just think that that is the neatest thing um, for the people in your program to have as a motivation. Do you find that that's helpful? Oh, for sure. Um, when I was a camper, it was a chalkboard, <laughs> a black chalkboard <laughs> with white chalk. And you would have your name and then the level that you passed written next to it. And I just had to have my name up on that chalkboard. So I saw the importance of that, even though it's a different venue now, um, of the recognition and the accomplishment. I agree. So tell us a little bit more about um, how many horses, the breeds of horses, what all you have on that four acres, because it's pretty amazing how much you can pack in there. I think it's great. <laughs> well, we are zoned for 50 horses. We currently have 25. It'd be a nice balance. Five of them are for a therapeutic program that rents space for me, and the other 20 are our school horses. I'm right now looking at a little hackney pony that we have an American warm blood, a thoroughbred, a paint, um, you name it, we have it. Warm bloods, quarter horses, everything. You even have Simon the Arabian, who I love. Yes, I the love Arabian. My Simon the Arabian, yes. You have many, many different kinds of horses, which I just love, and different sizes too, right? Pony all the way up to 17-handers. So you have such a variety there for everyone to be able to use, and a lovely indoor and an outdoor and a round pen. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, kind of all of the um, We have the horses not only are for every size of person, whether they're a child or a grown adult, but also every level of riding, all the way up to schoolmasters in jumping and dressage. And you also run an interscholastic equestrian program out of there, don't you? We have done that in the past. This year, we have passed on that. Okay. But that's so good, all the different things that you're able to offer there. So tell us a little bit more. Let's dive into marketing. Um, obviously, when Denver Equestrians first started, you didn't have anybody coming. And now you have so many different creative things that you do, like with the Clydesdales and the driving and the unicorn parties. I mean, it just goes on and on. So could you go ahead and um, <laughs> dive in a little bit to your marketing and how you've grown your program over the years? Yeah, 
Oh, sure. So I first started teaching again after my youngest went to kindergarten in 2008. So I was teaching lessons here and there and using leased horses and friends horses to teach. Um, it grew pretty fast when I started to focus on educating children because there was a, there was kind of a gap down here um, in the people that wanted to work with kids and the people that wanted to work with school horses. And I, I recognized that as we grew really quickly. Um, the first thing I did, because Groupon knew, launched a Groupon. We sold 80 Groupons in one day. Wow. My phone was ringing off the hook. <laughs> I didn't have an assistant. I didn't have an office person. It was just me. And I was so overwhelmed and slammed. It was a good thing because in the end, it allowed us to buy this building. Um, but it also was a sign of what was to come. And I just had no idea it was going to grow like this. Um, about ooh, six years into it. We've owned it now for 10 years. About six years into it. Um, we had half boarders and half school horses. That wasn't really working very well. We were pretty, you know, small space for 50 horses. And so we ended up dissolving the boarding program and just running as a, as a riding school. That proved to um, barely keep us afloat financially. And so I decided to start focusing on special events where I noticed that people were loving them. No one else was doing them. And it was drawing new people in. And almost every event, we have people that want to sign up for riding lessons, which is, of course, the end goal. So now we do do the hay rides. We do on this Friday coming up is a horses and happy hour where they ride. They have some drinks after the ride, and then they learn line dancing. That's really popular and fun. Um, summer camp is a huge draw for us, of course. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the unicorn parties, those are to kind of target the families that have kids under five. So the program yet because we start kids at five, but they get to come, they get to be around the horses, they get to ride a unicorn <clears throat> and led by a hand, of course. And um, it just kind of goes on and on. Very, very popular. And how many um, lessons do you do a week? So how many students do you actually run through the program on average? Um, per month, we have about 120 weekly students. That's a big program. It's a big program. And it's wonderful that you're able to um, accommodate that in the middle of an urban area because we just recently did our CHA membership survey and it came back with most of us live in rural. Um, then there's quite a few that live in suburban and then hardly anybody in urban. And I hope when you took that survey, Corinne, you checked the box of urban because there are definitely <laughs> more and more urban barns, right, that are coming up. And that really does help parents. Parents do not have time with the busy craziness and now with, you know, gas being so expensive to unfortunately drive their kids sometimes really far out into the country, right, for a weekly lesson. So being having that access like you do for those parents is probably very, very helpful to them. It is. In our riding club programs for kids, we have youth riding clubs that are progressive programs based out of CHA books, one, two, three, and four. Um, they're two hours long. We offer them from 4.30 to 6.30 after school, several days a week. Then we have a grocery store right down the block, and parents drop their kids off, sign them in, and then they run their errands, come back, pick them up, and go home for dinner. Yes, <laughs> very convenient for them. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about um, your website versus how you utilize social media, how those kinds of things have come into play with your marketing. I think the website is, is really key. And today, in today's times, I don't think you can be terribly successful without one if you're an urban barn. Um, when people Google horseback riding lessons, we're right at the top um, for Denver. And I think that's really important in getting people's attention. And then when they go to the website and they see that it's a quality website and I've provided all of my instructors education there, all of our programs are available to view there. Um, they can even sign up online, create their online account and actually buy lessons on the website, which has been fabulous. 
I love that. And then do you use social media at all? And if so, which platforms have you found useful? We do. We do use um, Facebook and we use Constant Contact as our marketing partner. So Constant Contact will oftentimes link our newsletters with Facebook and blast them up to Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm starting to get some interest from Pinterest and some of the more far-reaching uh, forms I'm not familiar with. Right now, we're pretty tried and true with Facebook. Very good. So I love that you kind of brought up the special events because I, I agree. I think those are huge and people are looking for stuff to go do, right? For fun things to do yeah. on the weekends or evenings with their families and then having that end up becoming um, you know, a, an opportunity for them to take lessons. Now, tell people a little bit more about your shop. You have a really fun little store in the office where you sell things. Tell, tell us a little bit more about the things that you sell. Hey, um, <clears throat> well, we're right in the middle of kind of changing that up. What it has looked like for the last 10 years is we have horse scale bracelets with the names of the horses on them in their appropriate color for the kids or adults to buy. Um, we have calendars with everybody's picture from the year before um, featured. So all the parents want to get a calendar. And then when they bring those things home, they're thinking about Denver Equestrians Riding School a lot more um, when they're actually, when it's in their home. We do have um, some retail. We definitely have helmets and boots that have been a big seller. Our local tech shop, which was three miles away, went out of business about four years ago. And I'm just finding that parents of especially new riders, they don't really know what to order online. They want to make sure everything is fit properly. So they come in and they get their equipment here. Based on that, um, that other tech shop used to have resale clothing. And my clients have been begging for something like that for a while now. So we are going to open up a consignment shop for um, kids and adults riding clothes where people can bring their clothes in and we can sell them and trade them for other things. Very smart. And I love that. I think more barns out there should do alternate sources of income. As we all know, more sources of income you have, the better when things go crazy. Like we've seen in the last few years, there's other sources yeah. of income to fall back on. Yes. Yeah, so I just love that you do that. So Corinne, go ahead and mention what your website is so that people can find out more about you. Okay, we are Denver Equestrians, with an S, dot com. I chose that name because um, I didn't want to, a lot of businesses are Denver Equestrian or something Equestrian. And I thought of it as a bigger, as a bigger business, as a place where people who love horses of all ages could come and they could be an Equestrian. So it's, we're con conclusive Equestrians, dot com. Very good. And then how do they find you on Facebook for those that like to do that? Um, it's DENV Equestrian, and it pops right up, of course. Um, there's links to the site there and information there as well. And the events, especially on Facebook, have become so popular, I think, due to COVID, just changing everybody's mindset from, we don't want to be at home anymore. Let's go out and do stuff. Our next guest today is Kathy Thacker. She is a CHA certified instructor and also a regional director for us. She sits on the board for the American Youth Horse Council and is the current equine program manager at Girl Scouts Carolina Peaks to Piedmont in North Carolina. She is a graduate of the um, Averett University Equestrian Studies Program. She loves mounted archery and does some creative marketing, including an upcoming virtual job fair that CHA is hosting tonight. A busy day. So, Kathy, tell us a little bit more about uh, where exactly you're located in North Carolina. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, yes, in uh, North Carolina, we're the Piedmont Triad area. So, that's uh, sort of a, we're in the rural area between Greensboro, Winston, Salem, and High Point. Our barn, uh, Circle C Equestrian Center, is located at one of our camp properties, which is the Kiawe Program Center. And our Girl Scout Council covers over 40 counties in North Carolina. We serve um, close to 7,000 girls and about 4,000 adult members. Wow, that's a lot of people. <laughs> 
It is. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to be excited to talk more about marketing here in a sec. How do you get out to all those people? That's great. So um, yeah. tell us more about you personally, Kathy. What's what's up with your horsemanship journey? How did it all begin and carry on? Sure. Okay. Uh, well, my grandmother uh, was a lifelong horsewoman um, and an early adopter of the sort of the philosophy that horses keep teenagers focused and too tired to cause trouble. Uh, so she made it possible for me and really encouraged uh, my mother to uh, get lessons for me at a local barn, uh, uh, which I did for many, many years um, in elementary school, middle school, and high school. Uh, I joined the 4-H um, and in a sort of some interesting foreshadowing. I did my Girl Scout Gold Award on developing a horse curriculum for the clover buds in our 4-H, a horse curriculum. Uh, little did I know that's what I'd be continuing on in my career with. But uh, I went to Avert University and I got a degree in equestrian studies. Um, I worked at uh, an adaptive riding program for years, taught lessons at a bunch of different barns, um, actually joined the CHA uh, as just a... Um, because I loved the resources. Uh, and then about nine years ago, I started working for the Girl Scouts and that's when I got my certification through the CHA. And that brings us to now. And it's been wonderful to have you. And the thing that I like in your photo today that we're going to put on this uh, recording on both of our websites, the Horse Radio Network, mm -hmm. um, Horses in the Morning and ours, is you doing mounted archery. Tell us a little bit more about that yeah. fun sport. Yeah, well, um, first of all, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's so much fun. Uh, so that's um, that's what drew me to it, um, was it was just unique and interesting. I hadn't seen it before. And then I got to try it and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, I want to do more of this. Uh, it really grabs people's attention and imaginations. Uh, it's a really unique program that isn't offered everywhere, especially, uh, with, uh, the program providing the horses and all of the gear. Um, so you could come in a complete beginner, um, with no experience and we can get you up and shooting, uh, before too long. Uh, and then, um, the other thing that I really like about it is, uh, you can use any horse, you can be any type of rider, you can come from any discipline, um, and you can participate in this sport and it's just a blast. I need to try it. When I'm in North Carolina, I might yeah. come knocking on your door. Please do. We have some wonderful horses that would love to show you the ropes. Oh, I think that would just be the neatest thing ever. I feel like I was flying. I would love it. I would love it. Love it. So tell us um, about the Girl Scout program that you mentioned and how big it is and how you market to all of those parents and kids. Right. So uh, first of all, we are so lucky uh, that we have a marketing team. Uh, so uh, that is first and foremost, they do a great deal of the work. Um, and each of our departments work with the marketing team to say, you know, what we're doing right now, what's most important, uh, what do we need help with marketing wise. Um, so a lot of our marketing is seasonal. Uh, so, you know, advertising for summer camp at a certain time, advertising for fall programs at a certain time. Uh, but we do a weekly, like, email newsletter that goes to parents and leaders. Uh, we have seasonal program guides that are both online and then also get mailed uh, to girls. We have school flyers. Uh, we can't get into every school, but a lot of the schools we uh, participate in uh, some programs where we can get things emailed to parents. Um, we do community posts, we have church partnerships, business partnerships, we do paid social media advertising, um, we've used bull, uh, billboards, uh, we do geo-targeted ads, uh, we've even put things in theater bills, uh, baseball stadiums, um, we really, there's nothing we haven't advertised on, <laughs> I think, uh, newspapers, um, but we still find with all of that that we do, uh, the best way to reach people is word of mouth. Um, if a girl comes to camp or comes to a barn or goes to a Girl Scout program and has a positive experience, they tell their friends and, and word spreads. That is awesome. What a creative idea um, to do all the different things that you said, like to be in, you know, your local community theater programs and trying mm -hmm. to get into the schools like you do and the churches. Those are great ideas that I don't know if all of us utilize because most of us have all of those things, whether we're in a small town or a really large town, we have those things within our town. So super yeah, exactly. idea. Yeah. Yeah. And Very then good. Uh, we also, well, I was going to say, we also do some specific things at the barn um, that, that 
so as far as like we set up at festivals, parades, fairs, uh, we offer program uh, at those uh, venues. We do giveaways. We give away information. We give away little trinkets. Um, one of my favorite things to do, especially this time of year, is take bags of horse hair and we decorate a little bag and they get to take it home to their birds um, in their neighborhood. And we have um, a nest, a bird's nest that has been made out of horse hair that we show everybody. And that's always, that always draws the girls in. If you say, Hey, would you like some horse hair? Um, they, uh, they come over to see what we're, what we're doing. Um, we also have a life-sized uh, fiberglass bowl that we take places and she really brings people in. Um, they're curious about the foal. Um, we do briar horse activities. Um, we do um, little business cards with a little plastic bag with um, confetti in it called uh, unicorn sneezes. We give those out. Um, and then we also do, <laughs> we also do horse show survival kits um, for the North Carolina Special Olympics Equestrian Tournament. And then also if I have any inroads into any of our local IHSA teams, either former uh, staff or volunteers, I usually try to send some bags to them as well. And we send them, you know, little survival kits with like, you know, bobby pins and braidettes and wet wipes and a peppermint and, um, you know, things you find yourself suddenly needing at a horse show, safety pins, things like that. And then, of course, our information is is in it as well. Very creative ideas. And I'm assuming you also ask everyone how they heard about you, right? So that you can keep track. We try to. We try to. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. that's and obviously never, very important. Yeah. And you never know how, how you'll catch somebody. Um, so we try to cast a wide net. Right. Good for you. And how? tell us a little bit more about the barn. How many horses? How many students per week? How is all that working? We have um, 18 horses right now, um, or 17 horses and a miniature donkey, I like to say. Um, I like to give her credit. Uh, and we are teaching um, a private lesson program or group lessons, uh, sort of like a traditional, you know, riding lesson program. We do that uh, Tuesday through Friday. And then on Saturdays, we run uh, Girl Scout programs. And then in the summer, all of that will change and we'll switch to uh, summer camp. Uh, we have a volunteer group of uh, teenage Girl Scouts that come out on weekends. There are riding instructors in training and they come out and um, volunteer. They help us run program. They help us take care of the horses. And last year, I don't have my numbers for this year yet, but last year all said and done, we had 970 hours of volunteer time between all of the girls, um, which we were really proud of. Yes, very much. Tell us a little bit more. Do Does Girl Scouts still do the badges? I got them back in the day on my sash. And is that a way that other barns that are listening could kind of um, target and do some of those Girl Scout badge trainings? How does that work? Well, unfortunately, the badges of our childhood are no longer there. Um, but there is a junior horseback riding badge. Um, and so juniors are fourth and fifth graders, which is a great age um, to have at the barn. So there is that badge, and that is a way um, to reach out. There are some uh, qualifications that barns need to meet. Um, but uh, a lot of times you can call your local council, Girl Scout Council, depending on where you are in the United States, and, and get on an approved list. And so you just have to show, um, you know, proof of insurance and a few other things that you need to um, to be doing. And if they're a CHA program, they shouldn't have any problem uh, being on a, an approved list. Um, but yeah, so there's that badge. And then the other thing is that a lot of these badges um, can be adapted to using the horses. So there's a Brownie Pets badge that we do. Um, uh, animal helpers for the older girls. Uh, we've done that uh, at the barn. Um, I always like to say I can make anything about horses. So if uh, <laughs> I can do first aid, I can whatever they want to do, I will make it about horses. There's a lot of fun outdoor art uh, badges for each age group that we've done at the barn. And we're getting ready to run a uh, math and nature program. We're going to be doing that at the barn as well. So, you know, if, if you've got a little bit of... Um, uh, creative energy to spare. Uh, you can make anything about horses as far as the Girl Scout badges go. That's a great idea. Then there's not just the one badge. There's plenty right. of them that they could right. get. Absolutely. I love that idea. 
So, Kathy, I think you're so creative. Um, I know right now in the industry, the clients might not be the hardest thing to get coming in. People really want to ride horses right now. I think the hardest thing right now to market is finding staff. And that staff is either four-legged, right, finding good school horses, or that staff (laughs) is two-legged and finding good staff to come work for us. So, yes. Kathy, you came up with this idea that we're doing tonight on our CHA platform, this virtual job fair. How about if you explain to people more about that? Because I find it very interesting. Sure. So uh, last summer when we were hiring for, uh, uh, you know, opening camp again after most of us had been closed for a year, uh, we were having trouble getting in front of people. And uh, some of the colleges... uh, had closed campuses, but they were offering virtual job fairs. And I thought, what a great idea. And I wonder if anybody's doing that specifically for horse jobs um, for the equine industry. And as far as I could tell, no one was. And so I was wondering if that was something that we could experiment with and see if people were interested in it. Um, And so it's just bringing together prospective employers and prospective employees in a space where um, it's all about horses and it's all about horse jobs and different, uh, yeah, different opportunities all across the United States. And that's what we're doing this evening. And we're so excited. We have so many employers and employees that kind of came out of yeah. the woodwork for this. Yeah. Um, with all kinds of different kinds of jobs, you know, some camp, mm-hmm. some lesson barn, whatever the case may be. So it's going to be right. really fun. And it, it will be recorded and it will be up on our website at cha.horse for those of you that want to take a look at it afterwards and see if it might be something you all want to do in the future or be a part of if CHA does another one next year. So thank you, Kathy, for your energy on that. It'll be fun to see how it goes tonight. Yeah, I'm excited to see. It's just uh, another way to to get in front of someone. Um, And yeah, I'm excited. It'll be good. So tell us a little bit more about how people find your program there in North Carolina. Is there a website, social media? What's the best way to find you? Uh, So the best way to find me would probably be to um, go to our Girl Scout Council website. And, you know, it's, it's a very long email address, but Girl Scouts Carolina's Peaks to Piedmont is our council name. Um, But even if you go to the uh, National Girl Scout website, you can search for your area um, and and get in touch with the council in your area. Um, My email address is circlec at girlscoutsp2p.org. We have a Facebook page. That's a good way to reach us. Um, We are the Circle C Equestrian Center in North Carolina, not Hawaii. Um, And then uh, you can also find me, I believe, on the CHA website. Yes, you sure can. Just go to CHA.horse and go under Find an Equine Professional and type in um, NC, capital NC, and they'll all come up, everyone in North Carolina, or put in Kathy's name and she'll certainly come up. So, well, Kathy, is there anything else you want to add about marketing before we get off today? Uh, (laughs) um, No, I mean, it's, it's it's a necessary, sometimes it feels like a necessary evil, um, but I think the more information we can get out there about our programs, uh, the better off we all are. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited to have this uh, equine industry virtual fair um, is, you know, just to bring bring attention to all the opportunities in the United States and all the things you can do with horses and hopefully, um, you know, capture some people who didn't know that they wanted to work with horses or didn't know that they could make that a career. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. We really appreciate it. I love that she calls marketing the necessary evil because for so many of us, that's a really hard thing to do. I would agree. It is, but it needs to be done. It needs and- to be done. Not only for clients, but also to get some school horse partnerships going, also to get some (laughs) good staff. I mean, there's marketing on so many levels. Marketing is not just bringing clients. Marketing is so much more. It is so much more. And one of the things that CHA does really well is market. That's one of the reasons we do this pair podcast, so more people can find out about CHA. That is very true, and it has been a pleasure to be doing it now for many, many years. Yeah, you're, you're uh, you're a legacy podcaster now. 
ooh, I feel so special. And I do. <laughs> I have the license plate frame saying that I am a podcaster on Horses in the Morning with pride. Yeah. I have that thing on there. You uh-huh. got it. Well, to find links to today's show, you can go to horsesinthemorning.com. And by the way, horsesinthemorning.com, right there on the home page, you will see the CHA logo. And if you click on that, all of the past CHA episodes will pop right up. And every single one of them is chock-a-block full of great ideas for equestrian professionals and amateurs alike. Sounds good, Jen. Thanks so much for having us uh, every month. And for anybody that's interested in anything we do, whether you want to get certified, want to host a certification, just want to see our educational information that's available, it is cha.horse, H-O-R-S-E, 